This, this, this is, 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 Fight Disciples. Welcome to the multi-award winning Fight Disciples podcast. This is your boxing preview for the weekend coming up. Lots to talk about. We're over in Japan, over in America, and a little bit of action in Nick's hometown of Liverpool. Uh, first of all, though, I want to get stuck into a little bit of Canelo chat. Love a bit of Canelo chat on the show, mate. Um, you may have seen or, uh, this week. I don't know who he did the interview with, but he's uh, he's basically talking about greats of yesteryear and who he would have beaten in his time. Obviously, because there's lots of chat about what's coming up on Cinco de Mayo weekend and who he's going to be competing against. And I'll get stuck into that in a minute. Uh, but Sugar Ray Robinson, easy work. Carlos Monzon, <laughs> easy work. Tell you what, you've got that. I admire it. I, I admire the cojones on, uh, on Canelo Alvarez. Listen, he's got a lot to brag about. He's a multi-weight world champion. He's probably in the co- he's in the conversation for the greatest Mexican fighters of all time. There's no doubt about that with the things that he's achieved. The the resume, the people that he's fought, he's had 64 fights, man, and he's still only 33 years of age. So he's in a conversation, but I love it. There's nothing, there's nothing like a humble brag, is there? There's the, and as well as this, Mr. Car- uh, Mr. Canelo. Self-praise is no praise, my friend. All right? Yeah, I'd smash them all. Sugar Ray Robinson, one of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest of all time. I'll take him out, mate. I'll take him out. Uh, just absolutely crazy talk. I, I like you. To be fair to Canelo is for, it, a, sp- for a brief second. Talk? Yeah, it is crazy talk. Fucking don't be so stupid. The For... for First of all, quick disclaimer. I haven't seen the original interview. I'm guessing it was with in, in Spanish. I haven't seen that. All I've seen is the headlines, and the headlines yes, kind of speak for themselves. But I'm 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 quick to well, you know, don't judge someone in the headlines because I don't know what the caveat was. I'd like to think yeah. that Canelo was kind of backed into a corner and they were kind of throwing names at him. Would you beat this guy? Would you have beaten that guy? And you know what? I've got no issue with any fighter, any athlete, any sportsman who bored to fuck with the same old questions every single time, decides to have a bit of fun. And I say that to, how many times have we had fighters, uh, conversations with fighters off camera, off microphone, where they're like, oh, I've now got to go and do another interview and talk about me wake up and me sparring and me this and yeah. me that. And you're like, mate, just make something up. Have a giggle then. Generate some crazy headlines by saying something nonsense. Maybe this was just Canelo where they were just like, what about this guy? What about that guy? And they probably threw a million Mexicans at him. And Canelo being Canelo, I'd like to think would, would very humbly said, well, he's a Mexican great. I don't want to compare myself to him. So when they went off Mexican, maybe then he just went off piste. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. A beast. I'd have battered him. Oh, yeah. I'd have battered him. Those two names, though, like two of the biggest icons, biggest legends in the sport. They're both dead. So there was no comebacks. So, yeah. You know, Sugar Ray Leonard's name never dripped off that tongue. Do you know what I mean? So anyway. It's a bit of fun. It's a bit of fun. But I disagree with him on both counts, actually. I think Sugar Ray Robinson and Carlos Monzon would have beaten Canelo. Um, it's all the, it's all in the work, obviously, talking about um, Cinco de Mayo weekend and who he's actually going to be facing. There's loads of backs back and forth. Now, again, we're not in the Canelo camp, so I don't know what the conversations are like on the inside. But there was a report that came out yesterday that PBC, who he has signed this deal with, will guarantee his 35 million best. <laughs> I want to come back to that in a minute. Uh, but 35 yeah. million quid is his guarantee for each fight 
uh, that he signed with PBC. And they will guarantee that for a fight with Jaime Munguia. Because Canelo has come out and he says, listen, or there has been another report stating that David Benavides' team has been informed that it won't be this year. 2024, you're not going to be fighting Canelo. So you crack on, Sunshine, which is a god-awful shame for all boxing fans because that's the fight. We all want to see it. But as a consolation prize, I think Jaime Munguia is probably the front-runner of the best of the rest, I think, for the majority of fight fans. He's had a good performance last time out. There's that Mexican versus Mexican type vibe. And I think it would sell. I think it would do it incredibly well. And PBC have come out and said, listen, yeah, we'll give you your 35 million as long as it's Jaime Munguia. But there's a bit of a bit of friction. There's a bit of back and forth. There's a little bit of a, a, a stopping situation because Canelo's like going, no, man, I'm doing Jamal Charlo. And you're paying me 35 million quid. Um, so we, we've got a roadblock mm-hmm. at the moment. On the 35 million quid, This this is the thing for me. Guaranteeing fighters' purses is madness, in my opinion, anyway. Absolutely, absolutely madness. Now, I kind of get it. If you actually look at the numbers, right, Canelo does pull what you would class as a decent pay-per-view. If you look, I mean, the reports are, I mean, nothing's come out official, but the reports are Canelo versus Jamel Cholo, his last fight, did about 650,000 pay-per-view buys. Now, in the States, they charge about $100, don't they? So let's mm-hmm. use that as a, as a, as a figure. $100 yep. per pay-per-view, they've done 650000 of them. To break even with Canelo's base rate right now, with him charging your 35 million quid, you need to do 350,000 buys. So you've got, you, you can, you've got 300,000 buys there to play with, haven't yep. you? One, you've got to still pay the opponent. <laughs> I assume that you've got to hire the arena. Mm-hmm. You've got to pay all your staff and all that type of stuff. I would imagine there's a drink in there for you at, at some point and sponsorships. You can make money off all that type of thing. Yeah. But I just don't get the re I just don't get guaranteeing a fighter's purse. You've got to make the fight. Then the fight has a market value. And then of course you can divvy up the pie as of which nobody's saying that Canelo doesn't get the biggest part of the pie because he is obviously dra- dragging in the ice, but stating we'll pay you 35 million quid. You've given all, him all the power. Per fight times three. Yeah, you've given him all. Right then, I'll fight there from Doncaster then. Cheers, lads. Nobody, nobody in boxing wants to see Canelo Alvarez fight Jamal Charlo, a guy that has been out the ring for three years. Yes, I know he's had one catch weight fight, non-title fight for three years. His problems outside the ring are incredibly well documented. Is he in the right frame of mind to be taking on Canelo Alvarez? Canelo Alvarez should be fighting David Benavidez. If that can't happen, which is nonsense, it can happen. But if mm-hmm. that can't happen, Jaime Munguia as a consolation prize is next up. Anything else is a cop-out and not mm-hmm. what we expect from Canelo Alvarez. Especially the way he put the belts together in the super middleweight division as well. The manner in which he did it. He just marched through everybody and unified the titles. It was it was brilliant. And then obviously, you know, having a crack up at light heavyweight as well. That was sensational. That was vintage Canelo. That was legacy defining Canelo. This is treading water Canelo just because PBC have got themselves into a situation where they've handed over all the power. And they're, they're not alone. Listen, the reason Canelo is at PBC is because PBC said, Sign with us for three fights. We'll guarantee you 35 million for each of those three fights. Sound. 
there was probably no conversation then to go, it has to be this guy, it has to be that guy. Now, of course, PBC then go, right, Sam, we'll do what PBC always does. You'll fight only PBC fighters. We'll keep it in-house. That's what they do. They ring fence guys. So now they've got the biggest star name in the sport, the biggest pay-per-view driver outside the heavyweight division, to join PBC on a three-fight deal, sound. We'll put a ring fence around you. Let's find you some opponents. And they were always going to dictate that PBC signed fighters were going to be those first-choice opponents. It is crazy, but this is what it takes to sign Canelo Alvarez. Otherwise, he'd have gone, if you can't guarantee me that money, maybe Eddie Hearn can. Maybe somebody else can. You know, I'll go, I'll do a one-fight deal with somebody else. on. But because PBC said, nah, man, Three fights, 35 million a pop. We'll discuss the opponents later. <laughs> Fucking sound. So I'm not surprised that, yeah. well, I am surprised in a way. Anybody else, I wouldn't be surprised. I am surprised because this is Canelo and this is not the way he's been operating. I say he ran through this super middleweight division. He dipped his toe in. Well, he won. He beat Kovalev at light heavyweight. Then he went back to beat the new guy at light heavyweight and fell short against Bivol. Came back, unified all his belts, got that crazy, unnecessary third fight with Golovkin out the way as well. Right now, I'm thinking Canelo has got what? What's he in his, this, this, this next fight's a 65th professional fight. No matter how young he feels, he's only 33, by the way, which is mental. But not much, mm. I'm no matter how young he feels, he can't have more than five fights left in him, surely. Because he's a multi-millionaire on his way to becoming a billionaire. He's got loads of business interests. He's got other things he needs to will no doubt want to do in his life. So let's get that five more fights left. Why waste your time going back in with another Charlo when you've just embarrassed the other one? What's the point of fighting the twin? There's no point whatsoever. There's no threat there at all. If you've only got five fights left in your in your in your in your arsenal, make it the big fights, make it the legacy defining fights. That's what you have been doing. Keep that thread going, man. Benavidez or Mongir, the only guys. The only guys that I want to see him in with this year. Yeah. Speaking of edge, did you see that uh, the Olympic Committee have turned down Manny Pacquiao? Thank goodness. Thank yeah. goodness. Well, you do know they did change it originally for Pacquiao anyway. The last Olympic Games, so it was 32, 33 years of age was the limit on age to be a competitive boxer at the Olympic Games. And prior to the last Olympics, they moved it to 40 years of age. Why? Because Pacquiao and the Philippines lobbied for it. And they went, you know, actually, yeah, yeah. let's get Manny Pacquiao in. He'll bring a lot of eyeballs. And Manny decided to run for Congress instead of going to the Olympics. So you can't now come back four years later, Manny, and go, well, or the Philippines, should I say, and go, well, now we need you to bump it up a little bit higher because Manny wants to have a go now. No, man. The Olympic boxer movement, as bad as it is, um, now run by the IOC, by the way, shouldn't have to shift parameters to cater for Manny Pacquiao at all. Who would have, by the way, they were also trying to get him in, in a, without even competing to qualify. They were mm -hmm. going to try and get him in as a wild card entry. Ridiculous. Thank God. Sense has been seen. Thank God the IOC are running boxing, because we all know Aiba would have definitely let this happen. So, yeah, Manny, come on, man. Just run for president and be happy with it. You've been keeping across Taylor Catterall's press week. What have you made of it? 
I know you did a video <laughs> yesterday, a sensational video yesterday, comparing it to great rivalries in the past and whether it's spilled over from the microphone to the ring and everything else. That's on our YouTube channel. Go down there. You'll find it. Adam did it. It's brilliant. But what have you made of this week, to be honest? Because I was like a little bit like a rabid dog. I've waited so long for the rematch that I watched everything. I listened to everything. All the presses, the talk sport interviews, you name it. How'd you, did you see it? Did you what you feel about it? Because Right. Here's my take on it. If this lot are going to do press, Sam Jones has to be on the table. <laughs> Sam Jones is the protagonist. He is the shit stirrer. He's the one that pokes the bear. He's the one that causes trouble. He is the person that is going to sell the hind legs off this fight. He has to be front and center. Every single minute. He gives no shits. He just causes trouble. Mm -hmm. And he gets a reaction out of Josh Taylor. Josh Taylor, with all due respect, personality-wise, is dominating that dynamic. Jack mm -hmm. Cattrall's a fighter. Quiet lad. Just wants to turn up. Believes he's been wronged. Wants to turn up. Get that right. Kick on with his career and fight for a world title. That's what he wants to do. Chirping on microphones is not... Jack Catterall's thing. That's Adam Catterall's thing. <laughs> Jack, Josh Taylor has the banter. He's got the patter. He's also got the confidence and the swag of being there, done it, got the T-shirt. He's nothing to prove. He was the undisputed super lightweight champion. He's got all the belts and he's at, in his house, mate. He's ready to rock and roll again. You need Sam Jones as part of everything. Day number one in Edinburgh. He's going up there. He's giving everybody abuse. In the lion's den, poking it up, and there's a bit of a reaction. Then we go down to Manchester, and he's more of a bit part player. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, you have the talk sport um, interview with Simon and Jim. And I know that obviously, well, I know that there's obviously a limited amount of chairs. You're in a radio studio. Yeah. He's not there. And then what you get is okay, Simon can put the burst, Simon can antagonize. But there's no reaction really from Jack. And if you're not getting a reaction from Jack, then what have you got? You haven't got the fireworks that you're all thirsty for. Stick Sam Jones in there, mate. He would react. He causes all sorts of bother. Josh would react to that. And then all of a sudden you've got captivating viewing, haven't you, with your popcorn now? That's where I'm at, where I'm at with it. But what I will say, mate, we've had three days of it. Fair play to Matchroom and Eddie Hearn. Yeah. They really have cranked it up. This is promoting. This mm -hmm. is what this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed yeah. to promote. Get it out in front of people's faces. What I, what I will say is, when the fight was made, I genuinely thought that it was just a boxing hardcore fight. I thought that the boxing audience would be like, "Yeah, it's on British soil. We know that rivalry. I want to see it because I want because I know the controversy from the first fight." But these three days, in particular this week, have absolutely, for me anyway, if I, if I was just a, you know, a general sports fan, I'd be, like, I'd be in. It's dra it is dragging me in. It's a shame that it's not on, a, on, a, on more major platforms. Don't get me wrong, TalkSport is a major platform. But the, the fire wasn't in the TalkSport conversation, was it? No. I think, I think it'll get there. I do think it'll get there. But you need Sam Jones front and centre causing shit. <laughs> Listen, I, I was I obviously watched it all this week, and um, 
you know, I, I thought I'd be a lot more engaged with it. And as you say, it, it's difficult because press tours, when you've got someone like a Conor McGregor or a Floyd Mayweather or Ricky Hatton or, you know, people that know how to play up to a crowd, that have got big personalities, that have got loads of crack about them, they know it's going to be fun, you know it's going to be personal, you know it's going to get ugly, then that's the, they're the type of people you do a press tour with because they will sell the life out of a fight. Whereas there was an element here where you're like, you needed to kind of like pull them aside and go, you do understand why we're doing this, guys, yeah? You're doing that, you know, we've got to sell this fight. We want to sell as many people this fight's happening, create as many headlines as possible. I didn't really see any headlines spinning out of, you know, hardcore boxing media about the press engagement. And that's the whole point. Go back and look at some of those Mayweather and Ricky Hatton and whatever. It was absolutely everywhere. Every single newspaper the back there, next day had it splashed all over the back pages. And I know we're not in that Base right now with boxing and the national media, and that's fine. But still, there was no real hum about it on social media either. You had to go searching for it. It should have been right in your face. And maybe part of that was the personalities, as you say. Jack Hatchell's just not that guy. Jack Hatchell must have a Sam Jones. He's like the undertaker, and Sam Jones is the Paul Bearer. He has to do all the talking for him, and that's fine. That's who just do Jack is. You can be that guy. But you must have Paul Bearer there screaming and shouting and causing blue murder. Obviously, Josh is there. Josh is playing his part. Josh has got this massive chip on his shoulder now. He thinks the world's against him. He thinks the box and media against him and everything else. And that's antagonizing him and rattling his case. And he's always been a little bit truculent with the media anyway, Josh, because that's just the personality he's got. But without that coming back the other way, it just fell flat. Like I was watching the, the talk sport thing yesterday. Next thing you know, Josh is, oh, I've got a present for you, Jack. Gets a teddy bear out and gives it to him. And, J- and Jack was like, Sam, I'll give that to me kids. And I was like, Jesus Christ, lads, what are we doing here? Are we selling a fight or what? You know, he should have ripped the head off that teddy bear and threw it back in his face. Now, now we've got a fight. Come on. Now we've got a fight. And said, it's like, oh, yeah, thanks. I'll give that to me kids. I was like, oh, what are these guys doing, man? Absolutely. I don't know. It's great that Matchroom are doing it. Great that Eddie's behind it. Great that they're really pushing it. But got two guys there fumbling the ball when the the world is watching. These guys are just fighters. We've just got to let them fight. If you're going to sell it, you need to find a different way to sell it. Now, here's Mm -hmm. one for you. The zone can have this. Matchroom can have this. Eddie can have this. Get them both in a private cinema. Mic them both up. Stick a security guard between them. And put the fucking first fight on and let them two commentate, narrate the first fight as they watch it, rewatch it live and scream and shout at each other going, I landed that, you landed. So that's my round, yeah? You agree? That's my. That would be gold. That's where you get energy from. There's your vital moments. That's how you sell that fight. Mr. Hain, the zone, matchroom, you're welcome. Why have you done that? We could have done that. You twat. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, man. I'm in though. Listen, I mean, listen, mate. I'm buying. You know, you're buying a ticket. If, if, we, if we're not working on that, we're buying a ticket, mate. We're going. Yeah, to absolutely, mate. I bought the ticket. Well, I had a ticket bought for me for Warrington versus Wood, and reveled in it. Absolutely reveled in the moment. I will be in Leeds, mate. You better believe it. Um, this weekend, what have we got here now? Uh, let's talk about the fact that's going under the radar. Liverpool, home city. 
You know what I mean? We've got a British Commonwealth uh, European flyweight title fight. Butler versus Harris. Yeah. Butler, the hometown boy, taking on Harris from Swansea. Terrible accent. I apologise. Um, I'm just... I'm, I'm a little bit... Not, yeah, I'm upset. A British Commonwealth and flyweight title fight, and you've got to go searching on Fight Zone to watch it. Come on. Surely someone could have bought this or helped out the promoter and, and and got it on some type of platform to get it under people's noses for crying out loud. Yeah, listen, again, we, we champion the... the... And I don't want this to be insulting anyway, but we champion the small hall promoters all the time, don't we? We talk about them all the time and the work they do. And without the small hall promoters, there is no big TV promoters because that's where the work is done. That's where the, the, the not only the journeymen, but the prospects get the most of their work and come through. And it's people like Steve Wood and it's like John Pegg and it's like, in this case, Dennis Hobson, that are the lifeblood of this sport. And then you get to a point where they're able to put a fight of this magnitude on, as you, as you say, British Commonwealth, a European title, all three belts on the line in Liverpool at the Olympia. Yeah. You know, what's that? 1,600 capacity. That's what I did. Me and Shane Neary did 1,600. Total sellouts in there. Atmosphere was unbelievable. Raised a fortune for charity. I just hope it's rammed on Saturday night like it was then because these guys deserve it. But why is that happening? But, mate, like a Channel 5 or, or someone should have gone. They should be aware of that happening. Gone yeah. to Dennis and said, yeah, mate, I'll tell you what, here's a few quid. Can we stick that on TV for you, pal? So this is the problem that we do. The fundamental issue that we have with these promoters having locked in TV deals. You know, for, for instance, there, you just talked about Channel 5. Well, Channel 5 have got a deal with Wasserman. Yeah, Wasserman. And they'll yeah. put on. With all due respect, they'll put on fucking Harlem Eubank in WBA international fights against some fucking unknown South American as a main event on Channel 5 on a Saturday night. Nobody gives a flying fuck. Nobody cares. Whereas this level of fight, British Commonwealth European title fight, legitimate. This is the type of fight where the likes of Dennis Hobson should be able to ring Channel 5, to ring TMT Sports, to ring Sky Sports and go, hey, boys, got this fight here. Fancy either putting it on as a main event, as my own production, which I'm happy to do. On your YouTube, or, stream it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stream it digitally. Stream it on your channel. Or I've got this. It's a perfect co-main event to a big televised cards and do a co-pro and go sound okay. Boxer. With the main event being Buatzi versus whoever, and we're going to do this as the co-main in association with Dennis Hobson. I thought we were all working together now. I thought that was Mate, the whole point. Do you know something? You've just flagged something up there, right? April 13th, Matchroom have got a card in Liverpool, haven't they? This is where, yeah. where they had McGrail. I know they moved, moved McGrail across over to Leeds, but it's mm -hmm. Gil Barrett, in it? And there's a couple yeah. of other um, bits and bats on there. We've got a scouser here in a British Commonwealth and European title fight. I know that obviously we are now, where are we? We're February, so maybe time's wrong or something that we're six weeks away from that April 13th date. Even if this is, even if it's not a corporate, even if it's not on somebody else's show, the fact that you've got to go to fights, this is where we're at, man. This is a proper fight. It is. This is what fan, this is what, a, this is what helps grow the sport because these two lads are going to have it 
British bo- yeah. European Commonwealth title fight. And you and nobody's gonna see it. Nobody's gonna see it, which is a crying shame that nobody's gonna see it. And uh, you know, you've you've just mentioned then the, the matchroom. Joe McGrail's on the undercard. Yeah, yeah. Joe McGrail's last couple of fights have been on matchroom cards. He fought in America on the undercard when Peter got clipped and everything else. Joe's a, Joe's, you know, got himself a, a major promotional deal, if you like, a platform. And yet he's obviously been given permission to fight on this card. Stay busy. Great. I'm all for that. that. We should see more of that. That should be across the board. But why couldn't this have been a co-pro? Why couldn't this have been another opportunity? But you're telling me the zone weren't interested in going, yeah, go on, fucking. We've, we've shown John McGrail a bunch of times anyway. In his last fight, he smoked a dude, stole his soul. Now he's going to be on in his hometown. Tell you what, make McGrail co-main event. We'll slot it on the zone for you because the main event's British and Commonwealth European title fight. It's crazy. Now, obviously, there's an elephant in the room here, and we need to mention it because people will be like, this is insane. If this was pretty much any other weight division, it would be on more of a mainstream TV. There is obviously a stigma with the flyweight division that these guys are so small, there's not enough knockouts, and it tends to be a, a weight class, certainly domestically, not in South America and certainly not in Asia, but, but certainly in the UK and America, flyweight isn't necessarily a division that gets a lot of eyeballs. Now, of course, Sonny Edwards is booking the trend there. Make, let's make that statement. But there's only one Sonny Edwards, with all due respect. He is like a unicorn because he's a self-selling profit machine sensation. Whereas these guys are, are bidden to get there. Now, we used to have, Liverpool used to have a British and Commonwealth and European champion in this weight class in this very weight class, based out of Liverpool, making defences like this, fighting for these titles, defending these titles, Kevin Satchel from Everton Red Triangle. And he got to British Commonwealth European level and then walked away from the sport. Why? He wasn't making any no money. money. There's no money in it. Hmm. And this is the problem here. There's no money in it. There's no money for these guys. There's no money for Dennis Hobson. There's no attraction in the flyweight division, which is such a shame because I'm telling you now, out of the three events we're going to highlight this weekend, this being one, <clears throat> Butler versus Harris, there's a real strong possibility it's fight of the weekend. Yeah. Just like um, that Central Area fight last week. Yeah. Um, listen, he's got his work cut out with Butler. He's a good boxer, high energy, good feet. But let's be dead straight. You've just mentioned it there, mate. He doesn't crack. No. Nope. Does he? So if he's going to win this, you would imagine that he's going to do this of, uh, of the full distance. Whereas in the other corner, Harris, Swansea lad, he has been at a very high level, this lad. He's yeah. been in with uh, Cesar Martinez. So we're talking world level. This yeah. dude's been above British Commonwealth and European level. Don't get me wrong. Okay, he's fallen short. But he's been up. He's had a taste. He fought Cesar Martinez. I think it was in California. So mm-hmm. he, he, he knows the score. And he can bang a little bit. He can bang a little bit. So if he can get his hands on Butler... Mate, you might have a change into the tide here. This is brilliant. It's a brilliant stylistic matchup. You've got a, a, a high energy boxer, tough as tough as they come in Butler. Harris also incredibly tough, but he can crack a bit. And if you can sting Butler and ask him a question, you've got a hell of a fight in your hands. Yeah, exactly. It's a big step up. It's hometown as well for Butler. A lot of pressure there. Yeah. If he gets caught and he gets dropped early. Harris is right in this fight and Butler will be feeling the pressure and the crowd might turn and everything else. It's a belter. 
to belt another fight. Ah, like you said, Joe McGrail's on the uh, on the undercard. If you are going to that, you're in for a good night. And uh, good luck to uh, Dennis as well. Hope uh, you sell a shitload of tickets. Concessions are crazy behind the bar. Everybody has a great night and everybody makes a few quid, mate. And who knows, off the back of listening to the multi-award winning Fight Disciples, there's somebody at the zone, because it's yeah. all changing at the zone. Their attitudes seem mm. to do are, are changing there. Somebody might go, eh? What? There's a, there's a British Commonwealth and European title fight on in Liverpool this weekend, and we could probably put it on as a bit of a, you know, bump up for Belanga McCrory, because that's happening over in the States. Go on, then. Makes sense, doesn't it? With with Joe McGrail, who's featured on the zone before, like I don't get it. I, I just don't get why it wouldn't. Because we see on the zone, with all due respect, a lot of what you would consider lesser Mexican title fights, yeah, fights out of Mexico, everything else. They pop up on the zone all the time. Mad ones on a Thursday night, live from fucking Guadalajara and all kinds. Crazy. Yeah. Um, big weekend for Edgar Belanga. Everybody knows that I made the pick. He's my one to watch. Keep an eye on this guy. 16 first round knockouts, this dude. On the spin, flying. Ever since I said that. When was that? When was that? <laughs> mate, last one were in 2020. That's all I'll say. Um, he's had zero stoppages since. Everything's gone the distance. And there's been questions about uh, his boxing ability. Listen, the power's there. The power's not gone anywhere. But obviously, he's knocking out a certain level of opponent. Now that people have got wise to that power and they can negate it, now you've got to be clever. You've got to show us a little bit of something else. You've got to show us some faint sunshine. You've got to show, show us your feet. You've got to show us your IQ. And that seems to be a long way behind the power. It, yeah. It's getting better. Don't get me wrong. I thought last time out, he looked a darn sight better than he has done in recent times. But he's going to have to go again because he's taking on McCrory this weekend. Um, and... McCrory's tail will be up. Yeah, okay. Jay quickly got dropped three times. Yeah. In the last fight for Edgar Belanga. Oh, four times. Was it four? Second, uh, the third, the fifth, and twice in the uh, in the last round, yeah. That's right, twice in the last round. You're right. Mm -hmm. uh, but McCrory, you know, good amateur, undefeated through 18. I know he's 35, mm -hmm. but what an opportunity for him. And if he can navigate that first round, First two rounds, he's in the fight, mate. Yeah. If you were, because it was 12 months ago when Matrium signed Belanga, it was February of last year. Um, and obviously when he left top rank and he came over to Matrium, Eddie was saying a lot of big shit. And he was saying talking about a lot of big fights and a lot of opportunities for Edgar Belanga and where Edgar Belanga's at. Hmm. Now 12 months on, with just one fight in the can, and all with due respect, one fight against an opponent a lot lesser than what Eddie was talking about 12 months ago. Where do you think Matrim are with Edgar Belanga? Do they feel uh, like they bought a, a bit of a dud? Do they feel like they bought somebody that was all bark and no bite? Or do you think they've realised, actually, this kid ain't the kid we thought we were signing? But he still could be. But yeah. there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah, I think it's I think it's the latter. He isn't he isn't what Eddie was saying a year ago. We knew that. That's why top rank let him go. Because he isn't that yet. He could do, still a young kid. But the problem is with him, he likes the idea of being a fighter, doesn't he? He likes the idea of being a boxer, Zegger Belanga. Does he want to put the work in? And if he wants to put the work in, then there's an opportunity here. 
to mm-hmm. to do something really, really good. I think he's got probably this against McCrory and then one more to really prove that he is what he says he is. And if he yeah. doesn't prove what he says he is, they'll cash him out against Pacheco. Yeah. Because Pacheco is what he says he is. Correct. Um, you never know. They might even do a crossover because Mungia is on the same network, even though it's not the same promotional company, same network. At the moment, you put Mungia in with Belanga, Mungia would take him to pieces, I think. Yeah. Even though Mungia is wide open for that power to land from Belanga, I think Mungia would win. So right now, I think you've got this weekend, go and look good. Go and do some, give us a, give us the st- stoppage, man. Like yeah. I said, you had 16 first rounders. Yeah. You haven't had nothing since. Since five uh, decisions. Five points decisions. And, and we're not talking against the, with all due respect, elite level operators, those five points decisions, nope. are we? You know? So come on, this weekend, show us something new. Show us the stoppage. Get us excited. Then we can step you up, do it again, and then you've got a party then, haven't you? But if he doesn't do it here, and he doesn't do it next time, I think they'll cash him out, mate. Yeah. Don't forget, there was the win over Caceres in there as well, which he should have lost. We were Got dropped, didn't he? That. Is that when we were there, yeah. when he got dropped? He got dropped in the ninth, yeah, and he should have lost that night. He got very much a, a home decision. Well, here we go, top rank home decisions. Whoa, there's a theme here. Let me ask you something about Belanga because um, there's two ways to look at Belanga's career. Okay, so you get this Puerto Rican kid, looks the part, talks yeah. the part, yeah. sells a ticket. Yeah. They're magic ingredients. Now, there's two ways you can build a fighter who sells tickets. One, create an amazing buzz that you've got something incredibly special with very kindly matched opponents, i.e. 16 dudes that are largely going to take a dive in the first round. You create so much buzz globally to go, wow, this is the guy. He's unbelievable, incredible. And then you make as much money as possible by the big signing deal before he gets found out. Because eventually he gets found out. And eventually, he gets cashed out. Mm-hmm. The other logic, of course, is that you have got a talent, but there's a responsibility there from a coach. Like, from 16 and 016 knockouts, you go, fuck me, mate, that's unbelievable. But most coaches, genuine coaches, would look at it and go, you're doing your kid no favours. You're not matching him well at all. You're just building this name around him. When you're not putting him in there with anybody capable, never mind all the knockouts. He needs rounds. He needs competition. He needs to grow. I would argue Edgar Belanger in those first 16 fights didn't advance very much at Mm. all. Mm. His skill set didn't improve at all because he just believed he was fucking at the Midas touch. Monster. Yeah. Yeah. He believed in the hype. But. Was that the right thing to do? Because they made them a lot of money. The guy's probably got a lot of money. He's been in big main events. He's had big deals with top rank. He's now got a big deal with Matchroom. Made a fortune. But in reality, is he actually that good? Hmm. Or is he that good? But his development has been absolutely stunted by horrific matchmaking to create a buzz about a fighter when what they should have been doing is getting him rounds to get him where he needs to be. Pacheco's been much stronger matched, had much better opponents in his first 12 dozen, 16 fights compared to what the people Belanga was knocking over because there was a long-term goal with Pacheco to get him the right fights for the right time with the right round length, with the right opponents to bring him on. Belanga was never brought on. 
Okay, so the argument is now then, last five fights, competent, not world-class, competent opponents. Are we now seeing Belanga advance, get mm. better, be more yeah. patient? I think you can only go off the last sh- last showing, can't you? And against Jay Quigley, Jay Quigley is competent. He's been in with some good level opponents himself. Yeah. And Belanga won, I would say, at least nine of those rounds. And he dropped him, as you've just said, four times in, th- in, in three separate rounds. And he dropped him late as well. So he was carrying that power late, which we, we, we haven't seen with Edgar, have we? We've seen him knock people over in the first. And then, oh, right, oh, I've got to struggle through this. But there was development last time out. So that's what I'm saying. Against McCrory, undefeated, hungry, he's going to come at it. This is a big night for Edgar Belanga. He has to do something here this weekend that reignites that flame. Got us all excited, 16 straight knockouts in the first round. You've got to get us excited this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Especially, Mm. yeah, as you say, you know, he's a year into his matchroom deal. This is only his second fight on that matchroom deal. We are still a level below the opponents that were originally spoke about as future Edgar Belanga opponents. You can't, with all due respect, you can't outpoint McCrory and then start talking about Canelo. No, you can't. You really no. can't. No. Um, I suppose the most interesting fights this weekend are over in Japan, aren't they? Apart from our British and Commonwealth and European flyweight title yeah. in Liverpool, the Double the higher. The higher profile ones, the world title ones, we we're a bit of jeopardy in there, uh, are over in uh, or over in Japan. Alexandro Santiago, Mexican, uh, traveling as the champion to take on Junto Nakatani. Uh, Junto attempting is this his third, fourth, third yeah, weight class? That. I think in it, yeah. uh, former uh, fly and super flyweight champion. Uh, we all saw him in with uh, Andrew Maloney. When he uh, took him to pieces, he was absolutely sensational that night. And now he's up uh, to attempt to become uh, the bantamweight champion, taking on Alexander Santiago. Santiago is the guy uh, that beat uh, Nanita Denaire, uh last time out, uh, July uh, July of last year. Nakatani's a special talent, man. It, yeah. Again, it's just going to come down to how far he can push the weights. That's all, I think. I look at this and I think to myself that Nakatani should win it. Um, but we're going to get to a point, super bantam, up into the feathers, that it might just become a little bit too much for the small dude. But I don't think bantam's too far of a push from what we've seen uh, so far from him. So I'm, I'm anticipating uh, a Junto Nakatani uh, masterclass this weekend. Yeah, he, he, he's an absolute class act. And the fact that he's got home advantage is obviously an advance, is is a, a big boost for him. It's going to be a massive night, obviously, with the new A's kid brother on the undercard defending his world title as well in this same weight division. Will that set up a big Japan super fight down the line? Um, or do they not cross over in that way? I'm not too sure. But I think Santiago is the perfect opponent for him. Legit, obviously, he's the defending WBC champion. But if you look at them, even though Santiago's coming down from super bantamweight and Nakatani's coming up from fly, 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 and now obviously uh, fly, super fly, and now now bantamweight. When you look at the tail of the tape, Nakatani's fucking massive. He was always massive at super fly and fly. He's about five six, five seven. Whereas Santiago's one of the smallest guys in the in the weight division. So even though he's coming down and he's coming up, actually it's the J- Japanese challenger who's got five or six inches in reach advantage over Santiago, whose game is fucked, don't get me wrong, 
But Nakatani can bang, he can punch, he can move. He's got it all, man. And I think he's going to add this third word title and add it in style as well. I think uh, Takuma Inoue, I think he's got a tough one this weekend, you know, in Jerwin yeah. uh, and Cajas. Because unlike he, unlike uh, Noya Inoue, uh, Takuma's more of a slickster. He's more of a boxer. He's He doesn't have the uh, touch of death. Every time he seems to just breeze past people, they fall over, don't they? Uh, Noya yeah. Inoue. Uh, and Ankahas can punch. He he has got uh, a bit of crack about him. We've seen the vulnerabilities in the past of uh, Inoue, uh, Takuma Inoue, this is. Mm. I think that's a really good fight, mate. I really do. I think I think there could be some... It'd be interesting to see if Jeremy and Ankahas can get him early. Get on him early. Let's see. Let's cause him a little bit of bother and let's see what uh, Takuma, how he responds. Yeah, he can... He can... He can absolutely be outboxed, Anka Hasto, and that's obviously yeah. that's Takuma's strength. Yeah, that you know that's how he lost. He had a couple of world title fights last year, year before in America, down at super flyweight, lost them both. Anka Hass got outboxed on two occasions by the same guy, got outboxed on two occasions. So, you know, there is a blueprint to beat the guy, and that is his most recent fights as well. What was that? He's lost two of his last three, you could mm-hmm. argue, uh, or you could state, I should say. So again, I think the 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 strength here is with Inoue. The opportunity here is with Inoue. He's not his brother. He doesn't have that power in his fists, but he can box. And he, you know, and he he isn't a frightening puncher, but he can punch as well. So I think this is going to be a, a hell of a night for Japanese MMA. They're going to they're going to bring home the Japanese the MMA. Are they are they going to submit oh, sorry, somebody while still in there? Japanese boxing. <laughs> 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 yeah. Mate, we're going for pride. Yes, yeah, exactly, that's yeah. what I want to say. Let's go for Get them in the Saitama Super Arena. Let's go all in. What I think Inoue versus Nakatani. I don't know enough about Japanese boxing. Are they mates, teammates, coaches? Do they operate in the same circle? Is there a chance we do an all-Japan bantamweight unification here? I'm not too sure. I don't know. Bit of Japan on Japan crime is what you're after, Ooh, is it? Oh, yes. Fucking right. Absolutely. <laughs> You turned it into Sam Jones, shit staring. Yeah. That's what you're doing, mate. You know what he said about you, Nakatani? You know what he said about you? You want to hear what he said about your mother, honestly? This is, um, listen, I can't see the broadcaster on this. Is this a Sky? Is this going to be on Sky? Because it's top rank, isn't it? I'd like to think so. I don't know. Is it top rank or is it a, a Japanese promotion? Is it Tekken promotions? I'm not too sure whether, I'm not too sure whether. To Sorry, it's not top rank. It's, top it's, I can see that it's on ESPN in the States. That's why I've automatically thought that okay. it's top rank. Well, fingers uh, crossed then. Fingers crossed, Sky pick it up. Let me have a quick look while you talk amongst yourselves. Yeah, fingers Sky have got it on their schedule. One thing that we do know is that Edgar Belanger and uh, Paddy McCrory is um, on the zone coming out of Orlando, Florida in the early hours of Sunday morning. Like I said. Um, no, as of today, that fight is not on Sky, unfortunately. It's just disappointing. It's a struggle for boxing fans this weekend, isn't it? To actually get your yeah. thirst fix. Yeah. Um, obviously, you've got your DAZN fix with uh, Belanga McCrory. Fingers crossed, the DAZN execs that are listening to the show, because I know you do. Uh, Butler Harris in Liverpool. Go and get your hands on that and stick that on uh, your channel. That'll be uh, that'll be a good one. Um, and hopefully somebody picks up the stuff that's going on in Japan. You know, nice little early Saturday morning with your Cocoa Pops whilst you're uh, watching that or whatever you have for your Beautiful. breakfast. Perfect. Beautiful. There you go. That's how your boxing's shaping up uh, this weekend. Um, 
let us know if you're uh, if you're going to one of those shows. Get stuck into uh, the comment section of uh, of our YouTube channel. Uh, we exist on YouTube. You can obviously subscribe to us. I'm not going to tell you how to do it because there's a button on this video. You can see it, that big red thing. Hit it, and then you'll never miss out on any of the uh, stuff that we bring you here on Fight Disciples, whether it be boxing podcasts, MMA podcasts, or any reaction pieces to anything that's going on in the world of fight sports. So go and get stuck in. Um, thank you very much for tuning in to us. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.